Hey guys, welcome back. Jennifer Hobbs here, and I have the pleasure of being with Anina Blankenship. Hi, Anina. Hello, hello. Anina is Thanks joining for having us. Me. Oh, it is our honor. My honor. Let's be real. I'm bragging now. I am so excited that you are on Celebrate the Struggle today. Um, uh, for those for those listeners that may not know, which you know, I won't be able to have this connection with all of my guests, but you and I go way, way back, like all the way to probably 17 years old. Were you oh 17? Gosh. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so like I joined the military around 17 years old and that's when I met this pretty little face, but uh, she's not just a pretty little face, like probably the most hardcore person I know, but that's neither here nor there. That's not what we're here to talk about. Well, that, but in a different sense, this is a Nina Blankenship. She is a boss, babe. I'm just going to sum it up to that. No, I'm not. I'm going to elaborate. She is a licensed clinical social worker, a certified professional co Is it professional co-active coach? Did I I, yes yeah <laughs> and board certified so yes like I, when I said that she's a boss babe I was not lying so she is here and I'm happy to have you on the show so tell us uh, let me I feel like let me back it up a little bit um yeah, no, I think I covered it all. You did. The, <laughs> you got the, it. The listeners may not know this, and I'm not sure when exactly this will air, but this is the first recording for Celebrate <laughs> the Struggle. So I'm um, yes. trying to make sure I cover all my bases. So it's even more of an honor to have you here to um, launch this journey with me. But with that being said, Anina, I've given a little bit of an introduction to you, not to mention that you have been one of my homies for years and quite a role <laughs> model, but um, tell us a little bit about you, yourself, your family, and like maybe a little bit about who Anina is, where'd she come from? <laughs> yeah, so, um, oh man, so I I'm like, where to begin? Um, so just right. kind of the basics. Yeah, I, I grew up in central Illinois. Um, it was a pretty um, typical, you know, middle income, two parent household. Uh, I'm one of three, right smack dab in the middle. So I have a little bit of that middle child syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, I, um, yeah, it was a very, like, very loving environment that I grew up in. Um, but, you know, my parents, they worked a lot. Um, they worked a lot. So um, we just always um, basically had different, like, you know, caretakers, you know, babysitters, um, just be there with us all throughout the day when we weren't in school. So um, was raised, it felt like by like a lot of different, different people, but uh, I really do feel like it helped to just uh, kind of shape me um, as well. So I was always very interesting. Um, the different babysitters that we always had and the, the tricks we would play on them, you know, when they were brand new and, you know, all that fun stuff, just taunting them, you know, like, uh-huh. <laughs> I love that you share that. Like here, we're only a couple minutes in and like knowing you for over 20 years. And I didn't know that about you. Like, I didn't know that like you had, you know, a life with 
to parents and like caretakers because your parents worked a lot. I didn't know that about you. You know, our conversations were more like, can you watch my weapon while I go to the bathroom? Or <laughs> like, do you have any chocolate in your room? So it's interesting that I've already learned more about you after 20 years. And, you know, one thing I didn't, so, so central Illinois and the middle child, thank you for your honesty on middle child syndrome. <laughs> I love it. And, um, so you joined the military. Yes. yes. Were you a rebel in high school, Nina? You know, um, I, geez, you know, I kind of got like my rebel niche out. Well, I feel like it came in different waves. So probably like eighth grade, ninth grade, I was a rebel. And then I kind of shaked up for a while. And then like in college again, I kind of like went back to that route, those rebel ways that were sure. still brewing within me. So I had like little periods where kind of like, was it, <laughs> was it more like college before Iraq or college after Iraq? It was more college before Iraq. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just, yeah. What made you decide to join the military? Cause oh, I mean, I didn't mention that in your introduction, you are a combat veteran and that's how I know you. We served amongst each other. Now she works for the VA and we're going to get more into that in a little bit, but why did you join the military? Yeah. So it was, oh man, for one, it was just, I always just had this like desire um, within me, even as like a young child, just wanting to just do something great. And I remember um, one of our neighbors, our next door neighbors, I just remember I really looked up to him and he had served in the military. And I just thought he was like this awesome, genuine guy. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, maybe this is like, you know, how you get all that. Join the military. Right. Um, so it was, it was part of that. And then also um, one of my like really good friends that we actually served with, you know, together in Iraq, yes. Joseph, um, he joined and he told me about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've always wanted to do this. Um, so I was like, okay, we're going to do it. He's doing it. I'm doing it. Um, and then, you know, it was that piece of it too. And then once I found out, you know, um, the help with college as well, um, it was something that, um, I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. (laughs) Absolutely. And I mean, Joseph is pretty awesome. I would follow him toward anything that he goes. Like if, (laughs) if he's like, we're going to jump off this cliff, I'd be like, okay, I, I believe you, Joseph, let's go. But oh my um, gosh, yeah. I, if yeah, only if only the listeners knew him. But yeah. <laughs> um, so that's cool. Um, I know the answer to this question, but tell our listeners what job in the military you took and uh when you were like how many years you served and um your history with any deployments. Yes. Yeah, so I was um, an 88 Mike, which was a truck driver. I mean, basically a truck driver, right? Yep, beep, beep, here I come. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) I know looking back, I like just totally laugh now because I'm like, oh my goodness, it's just, it's so funny. Um, I think I was really like wrapped in with it too because um, my recruiter at the time, you know, was like, hey, this this is the one that has the sign-on bonus. And I was like, oh my gosh, like whatever it was, Me like too, four girl. grand sounds amazing, right? So I was oh, like, oh, I beat you. No I beat you. I got six grand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, say snap. no, say no more is right. That was kind yeah. of where I, and 
that's where I lean towards. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just kind of like, yeah, when you're like in high school and you hear that amount of money, I mean, heck, even now I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money. I mean, it is. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so your eyes were just, my eyes were uh, just Yeah. Like, I mean, I yeah. <laughs> wouldn't sign up for the military again, but 6,000 sounds like a great idea. <laughs> yes. But yes. I want to bring back, bring our listeners back to that comment right there where you had said, yeah, you like beep, beep, honk, honk. It's so funny because like, <laughs> For our listeners, like they're going to hear and see the Nina that I've told you about, the Nina that, you know, like the kind hearted, sweetest, most like kindest, I already said kind, kindest person like that our entire unit has ever met. However, it's like one of those things like, like, don't let this fool you. Don't, don't let this pretty face fool you. <laughs> so as you're saying, like, beep, beep, like, get out of my way. What's funny, listeners, and you must know this, Anina, one other connection we have together is that she was my husband's driver during the year <laughs> in Iraq. And not only was she his, and he was a 50 cal gunner on the back of a truck. Not only was she his driver, but like he, w- he would get very protective of her. Like, like, no, she's driving me. Uh, uh, or like I had heard rumors about, you know, when uh, your other, dr- your a driver would get a chance and how he'd like scold him Cruz. I know he'd be fine if we said his name on here, but how he yeah. would like curse him out and scold him for his mistakes. But he would never do that to you. So when, when you hear in Nina and her, so kind self be like yep truck driver beep beep understand like that is one truck driver you don't want to mess with that's for sure <laughs> so oh, man so memories are all coming I back i know i know i have so many so many photo albums uh so with that being said Um, That took you into the National Guard where you then went on deployment and uh, your first deployment was same as mine, right? In December 2003. Yeah. How did you feel uh, on the day they called you and told you that you were getting mobilized? Was it, were you like in shock or like, were you, how were you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, um, yeah, I will definitely say I was, I was in shock. Like, you know, I've always heard the like, where it just feels like, like time stops and everything like stops moving and totally, um, totally felt like that. Um, and it's like almost, I just felt like I had like this blank, um, slate. Um, I just, I didn't even know what to think. Like there was no thoughts even coming to me. Yeah. It was like total, uh, shock. Um, and I remember just like sitting there at the kitchen table in my apartment and just like, oh my gosh, like what is about to happen? Like my life is about to be turned around and I don't even know what to expect, have no context of what to even put it into. Like I've never experienced something like this before. So, um, yeah, I was very, oh man. Yeah. Very shocked. I know. Um, Takes you back, doesn't it? It does. It truly does. Um, yeah. And, and I think I did a really good job, which is not a, it was a protective mechanism, but it's not, um, helpful. I found out, but just kind of, um, 
really trying to avoid processing anything. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, I just went through the motions and was like, okay, they told me I need to go let my teachers know this, um, you know, that I'm going to be leaving, like my professors know and do this and do that and do that. So it's just like, I was just very like, uh, I don't know, very, very methodical in like what I did um, and didn't really think about it. It was just like, I was told to do this. I'm going to do this and not put too much thought into it. I think yeah. that was when, yeah, it felt scary to think about it. So um, I didn't think about it. I just kept going and moving. I, I feel the same way. I feel like I was that same way, you know, and, and there's all these different stigmas that, uh, that exist in our society. And one of the ones that kind of makes me, well, they all make me cringe, but one of the ones (laughs) that makes me cringe is when people were like, um, when they kind of think like they assume that you are sensitive and fragile. And whereas they'll look at like Billy Bob over here and be like, Oh, Billy Bob was born to kill. You know, (laughs) he was born for that. And they assume that like, when you get that phone call, like Billy Bob's ready for that when really, maybe you don't really know what's going on in Billy Bob's head. Okay. I'll stop saying my name over and over, but (laughs) that's exactly right. Like, and and at the beginning there, it's just, it's so much shock for, for, it was for yes. me and I'd be curious to hear how it was for other people. And so what would you say? Cause you and I both know that that was a tremendously difficult year for us and the 1544th and the family members of the 1544th. Yeah. What would you say? Um, you know, aside from the obvious, like the obvious trauma of losing our battles, what would you say was the hardest struggle internally being away from home? And again, did you just find yourself disconnecting with things? Um, and then if you can't really, if you feel like you had disconnected a lot during then, what did you find were big struggles trying to make that transition back to the civilian world. Yeah. Um, man. Yeah. I felt very, um, hmm. yeah, I did. I did. I felt very like disconnected from, you know, the, um, the, the loved ones back at home, um, yeah. you know, talking to them on the phone, you know, it just always felt like, uh, yeah, it just felt like there was, I don't know, something missing, like, and, um, it just, it was hard to like relate to them and be able to share what was going on, you know, didn't want to like make anyone scared um, or, you know, yeah, cause any alarm. So it just always felt like it was very surface. Um, So just felt like um, having any deep conversations was was really difficult. So I really did. I really did miss that. Um, But I did, I did really um, learn to kind of disconnect. Yeah, definitely disconnect even from myself um, and what I was feeling. Um, and again, I know that's just, I've learned, yeah, it's a protective mechanism, um, but sure. just never letting myself feel. Uh, yeah. And so I think that was like the hardest thing for me because then when I did start to feel, it felt really, um, overwhelming, um, having lots of, um, lots of emotions flood my, my body at once. It was really, really challenging, um, to deal with. And I think you even mentioned before you remember being there one day where I just kind of, yeah had a breakdown moment. Cause it was just like, you know, it's kind of like that, um, that pressure cooker. You can only take so much until it erupts, you know, and I didn't do it 
like you would do like a Coke bottle, for instance, and just slowly let a little air out every once in a while. It just kind of um, exploded, it felt like, because I held it in for so long. Right. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because so a couple of things I want our listeners to know is all of those things that you just said right there, like so many people are feeling that I felt it. And so many people feel that in that transition home, whether you're transitioning back from a combat zone or you're just coming home from your active duty job and being thrown into a house full of screaming kids and a, you know, a spouse that's maybe a little frustrated that she just had to spend 30 minutes waiting for the toddler to use the bathroom, you know? And so like those feelings arise. And I hope that when people hear your story and other stories, I hope that they, they know that like, this is, you're not alone. This is normal. And, and there's no, um, there's no like perfect way to handle these emotions. However, there are healthy and unhealthy ways to handle them. Um, yeah. You said something else that I wanted to bring attention to, but before I sit here and pause and try to ponder it some, Oh yes, I got it. (laughs) Was there anything? So you've mentioned, um, the, what was a struggle as you returned transitioning back? What did you, or looking back on it? Like my question for you is, what helped you or gave you a little bit of support in that transition back to the civilian world, or maybe even over the last, you know, I shouldn't say 20 years, because we're going to get to that question, but was there anything that helped you and supported you at the time? Or if it didn't, what do you think would have really helped yeah, that's a good question. I, oh, I have so many thoughts. I'm like, okay, which direction do I go in? Yeah, you're like, um, Jennifer, this was not in the questions you sent me. <laughs> <laughs> Inevitably, I really, you know, uh, we want to get our voices out there so that we can best help people. And so like, these are the biggest parts of the, the struggle in that transition. And so if we could give any advice or go back and have a do-over, what would it be? Yeah, you know, I have thought about that before, and I think that resonates with me of like a do-over. Um, and I think it's almost like I think about like what would I tell my younger self now, um, kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and I really think um, it. What comes to me is just like, um, and this is so basic, but it feels so um, just it really resonates with me of just um, slowing down, um, looking at being. Yeah, looking at being a human um, being rather than a human doing. Um, and, and I've spent a lot of life just doing that, go, 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 go. Um, and I think had I taken some time to really process um, the things I went through, um, I think I could have healed a lot sooner. Um, and I'm grateful for the journey that it has taken me on, but just kind of looking back, I think had I actually known what I know now about, um, about you know, about mindfulness, knowing about how um, we keep a lot of stress within our bodies um, and being able to like release that in healthy ways. I think just knowing some of those things would have really been beneficial for me. And, and also just, um, you know, I had a relationship with the Lord but it wasn't as strong at that point mm-hmm. um, in my life. And I think um, 
yeah, sometimes I wish it would have been a little bit uh, more defined for myself because I think that really would have uh, changed things because I know now in my life yeah. it's really um, been really helpful for me. Right. Um, yeah. I love that you said, I love, 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 love that you said um, you wish that you would have been more of a human being rather than a human doer. Like, I feel like that's advice that all of us could take now, you know, no matter yeah. where we are in the transition of our life. And, and you yourself have, have taught me about more about mindfulness, um, specifically like when you were, I did something where you were teaching me about mindful eating and then uh, oh, yeah. a little bit of meditation. And uh, so let's move into that. You now, after this journey of struggling through all the different things, and, and if you want to bring attention to any more uh, struggle or anything that it, the listeners that you want to share that, you know, they might be able to relate to, feel free to interrupt me and, and go there. But I want to, I want to tell the listeners about how you have now taken your struggle and have put it into practice. You know, we could sit here and name off these beautiful licensed clinical social worker titles, but really when it comes down to it, our listeners have no idea that your specific job is in the VA and you are doing things to bring, um, to try and advocate for more of a, and correct me if I'm wrong, but more of a holistic whole health approach and focusing on that post-traumatic growth rather than post PTSD and, you know, just, um, treating it with, um, I mean, let's be honest with meds, you know? And yeah. so, please tell our listeners a little bit about what you do at the VA and uh, what your hopes or the VA's hopes are, your hopes, what your hopes are to see uh, the VA or you have an impact on veterans and their families. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So uh, yes, I, I do feel very, um, very grateful for being able to being, um, being a part of Whole Health. Um, and yes, like you said, it's a holistic approach. So it's really looking at these other modalities of care. Um, so looking at um, the whole mind, body, and spirit. Um, so mm -hmm. we do, yeah, I offer some different, um, some resiliency classes that I teach, really just allowing um, our vets just to take a peek at what are some things that renew them and what are some emotions that deplete them. And then actually they get these devices that they can wear called a heart math device to see um, some of their different, you have one? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I just got one at a, a veteran retreat that I went oh, to. Okay, I so don't cool. want to interrupt. Go ahead, keep going. Yeah, no, that's amazing. It's, yeah, I love the, I love the whole concept behind it. Um, I'd love to hear what you think too. I'm like, well, I'll have to talk offline about all this because it's so cool. But, but yeah, being able to really, allow somebody to tap into what is happening within their body just empowers them to learn how to control these things. So when we're stressed, when we're anxious, learning different breathing techniques to even help us. Um, and even mindfulness of, you know, um, imagining what these renewing feelings are that you want to give to yourself and, and radiate to others. So I could go on about that like class forever because I love it. But um, uh -huh. so it's opportunity to do that. Um, also, 
um, doing health coaching um, with vets. So really working on, you know, what their goals are, what they, what is personally meaningful and important for them to work on um, is what we do. So it's not me telling you what to do. It's mm-hmm. um, the veteran sharing what they want. And, and I love that role of coaching too, of just looking at the veteran as someone who is naturally creative, resourceful and whole. They're, the answers are within them um, and just helping them to pull them out, like tell themselves what to do. Cause we know there's so much power um, when we come to a conclusion on our own rather than someone yes. else telling us, you know, you yes. should do this, you should do that. <laughs> like you just got done saying, you, know, you just kind of made a full circle and came back to it. it comes to like realizing that like we actually have far more control over yeah. our bodies than than like I think the fear and the the things we've just that we've gotten used to feeling and we feel out of control. I can't handle that. And, and it's actually not. And that's, that's a, that's a phantom. What's it called? Yeah. It's it's a phantom, whatever. Yeah. I mean, think uh, of like a phantom limb kind of thing. Like you hear sometimes, but yeah. um, like a phantom pain. Imposter. Even too, but... That's the new one. Yes. Oh, the imposter syndrome. Yes. yes. I don't know if that fits there, but that's what it it feels like. It reminds me of. So, um, I think that is incredible. And actually, I mean, you know, again, I want to tell our listeners, I'm not sure, I guess I should have been paying attention to how much time we're on, but who cares? That's neither here nor there. You (laughs) didn't just come up out of all this struggle and become this amazing health coach and clinician. Like before that, you actually had like one of the hardest jobs that I, in my opinion, think is out there working as a social worker for DCFS. And so that I can only imagine brought a lot of trauma back to the surface, you know, those feelings and then a lot of growth, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. It truly did. Yeah. It it really, um, kind of ripped a bandaid off a little bit, so to speak Mm -hmm. of some things that um, I wasn't like dealing with, um, but yeah, it also kind of built some new traumas too, but, right. um, but yeah, but I do feel like, um, you know, just even for my own self, like having, you know, being involved in the VA, getting, um, my care, they're getting different therapies for my own self have really helped yeah. me to like work through those things. And I have my own, um, coach, um, as well. So I just, I, I feel, I see the value in both looking at the past and then looking at, where I want to go in the future, uh, with coaching. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And another cool piece too, I feel like fortunate to be doing too at the VA is working um, with vets with chronic pain. Um, mm-hmm. so I really, really appreciate like, like, um, my position with that pain clinic as well. Cause we have so many vets who are struggling with, um, with chronic pain and a lot of times it's invisible, you know, we don't see it, um, per se. So, uh, I really enjoy that piece of things too. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to talk to you more about that. Like maybe that's even something where like, I mean, needs a part two to talk to the listeners about these, these strategies. <laughs> so with that being said, uh, you, although are probably, let's be honest, the better half, you do have a very strong other half who also is a veteran and works at the VA. And you guys had your own uh, podcast. 
over the last year or two, uh, Sound Mind Strategies, I personally was a listener and you guys yeah. still continue to um, give like just all of you from, from DCFS social worker to helping veterans in the VA to giving time on this podcast, like clearly like you are a servant of God. And so like, I love you, you know this, and you know that I admire you very much. But so with uh, your goals, and um, you mentioned like what you would like for the future before, actually, we, I got one more question Yeah. Be- before you jump on that uh, celebratory train and tell us about like your hopes and dreams of like, if money and resources weren't an option, like what you hope to have but before you go and you get us all jacked up on uh what you're gonna do to shake the world will you (laughs) share with us and again I feel like this is probably gonna need a part three and four with Anina because I know that you're so knowledgeable on the different um strategies and tools and just you know something just like heart math what kinds of if you had to pick um we'll have to pick three okay so if you could narrow it down to three self-care strategies or habits or things you make sure to include in your day that you make yourself do as self-care what are three things that you do either physically mentally or spiritually and you try to commit to them every day because you see that it has a positive effect yeah um reading the word of god i would say um working on like my relationships um like with my husband with family um, and then also, um, I really love moving my body. I like to, to run or bike or do weight. Just something to kind of yes. work on like all parts of my, of my spirit, man, uh, mind, body, and spirit. So, um, yeah, I feel like those things really hit, hit those, hit those, those needs of mine. <laughs> no doubt. And you do like one for each category. So clearly you're winning at life. Thank you. <laughs> for sharing that note to self be more like Anina (laughs) just kidding okay so let's talk about let's wrap up the show and tell our listeners what Anina's hopes and dreams are to be like because you know people are going to be listening to this and one of the ways that I've been able to step out of my comfort zone and really start reaching for what I want to see is opening my mouth and making those connections. So someone might hear you talk about what your hopes and dreams are and get inspired or be like, I want that too, you know, and not to mention just knowing that, you know, we are like 21 years old, not, and we still have hopes and dreams, like that it's good to keep dreaming, like always let it be always keep dreaming so what are your hopes and dreams from here yeah so um your buds died I had to change them it's fine Um, you sound great still (laughs) um yeah it's you know I do um you know we do want to get our podcast going back up again um you know that was really just born out of uh, yeah, a lot of the struggles I really didn't even mention but uh, I feel like we need like that part too but just um really sound mind strategies was, um, born from second Timothy one, seven for God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. Um, and those were things that I really, really struggled with, with fear. Um, my thoughts, thoughts of just, yeah. Anyways, wanting to do, um, very unkind things, I guess, to myself throughout my life. So I, I feel like 
that platform was really helpful um, for me to share, um, to share my story. And I know I have more story in me to share. And Mm -hmm. so I want to keep, um, I want to get, yeah, we really want to get that podcast going back up. And I think five years done before that, um, because yeah, we have all the things to do it again. So, um, so that, and then also sharing my story through publishing, having my memoir done, as you know, I'm working on it right now. Um, yes, it's kind of a, it's been a slow process, but it's a process and I'm just trying to be kind to myself through that process. Right. (laughs) I wrote a book in like 17 years, Anina. (laughs) So you be kind, you give yourself grace, but you know, as, as you make these dreams come true and as you guys, uh, when your podcast does get back up and going or whatever it is, I'm going to update the description on this podcast. That way people know how they can reach you and, the second better half. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to have, we're going to have Evan on the show too. So yes. be looking forward to that. And if you have any questions for an, Oh, one last thing before we bid you farewell, how could a veteran who wants to, where could they start? I know for myself, I know what the, you know, I got some help going toward the whole health uh, directive. Who could they walk into the VA? Would it be their general practitioner and say, Hey, I want to know more about this whole health approach. What would you suggest to veterans if they're interested in learning more about the whole health approach? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yes, I would say just go to your primary care provider, let them know. Um, like I know in St. Louis, where I'm based out of, they have a um, whole health unified consult. So the provider can put that in, the social worker can put that in, really anyone that you're working with, therapist, um, anyone can place that consult. So yeah, I would just say to bring it up to whoever you're working with, whoever maybe you see the most so they can place that consult. Yeah, um, yeah or you know, send your provider Um, when your provider is like a um, secure message through my healthy vet and just let them know that's something that you want to do. Or I even know for us too, there's like a direct line you can call to speak to someone in whole health. Um, So your other people's facilities may have that um, as well. So yeah, lots of different ways to be able to get involved Mm -hmm. in it. And, um, and one, <laughs> one way to definitely start, you said it right there, getting on my health vet, like the, my healthy setting, vet, yes. setting up that account for sure. Yes. So yep. check yeah. into that. Um, oh, I was going to say, and now I had a brain fart. So hopefully I can edit this part out, but <laughs> um, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. All right. So. Thank you, Anina. Thank you guys for tuning in to hear a little bit about Anina's story. Thank you, Anina, for being comfortable with getting uncomfortable uh, so that we can celebrate the struggle together and just just give it its space, own it, and and see how it has made us who we are. Even if in this very moment, if you're listening and you're a hot mess, you're here, you're listening. You have persevered to this point and, um, and we, we can understand, we can relate. So thank you for, yeah. for being here and we'll be looking forward to, you know, part two of ending a blankenship. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. <laughs>